child pony sleep repeat a podcast for pony parents to know that we can do this and we're not alone each week i speak to a different horsey mum for their top tips and tricks and i also chat to my non-horsey husband who is slowly becoming horsey now i now have two boys and this series may be a little bit more chaotic than the last but i hope you'll enjoy it just as much hello so this week i'm speaking to jennifer stevens hi jen Hi. <laughs> um and Jennifer, you own um Cobweb and Puzzle, um, who are two beautiful girls. Um Puzzle you've had since childhood. Um and she's she's grain grand dame now, thirty years old. Um and Cobweb sure is, is your Cobweb's your latest project well, is she your project, do we call her that? You certainly put all your efforts into doing everything from the very bottom foundations up and it's wonderful to watch oh thank you very much um so yes i get yeah i think she yeah she had she has been a little bit of a project um um so yeah so she's just turned six but she was pretty much unhandled up until about four and a half so she's quite a late starter um before i got her she was sort of lightly backed to ride and drive and and sort of had been ridden away a little bit but the the process of sort of moving around and um, she'd sort of been been through a couple of hands just before she came to me um oh, bless her you know not, not not through any sort of fault of her own necessarily just you know just just how the sales chain sort of went um and i think it it had just sort of it it had knocked her, knocked her confidence sort of a little bit um and and sort of by the time she sort of she came to me the sort of the pony that i sort of saw in front of me i thought okay probably just need a little bit of time I think um, and certainly where we were kind of getting her settled into the yard that we were on at the time there'd be quite a lot going on and probably quite a lot that she hadn't actually seen before so you could just tell that there was just a whole new level of education oh, love that, that she needed um, and she was I mean she was the sort I mean I've traced all of her her history all the way back you know she's never been mistreated or anything like that but she's that she's just her natural self is that sort that if you moved a little bit too quickly or if you dropped a brush or in some cases god forbid you sneezed um, <laughs> it would have her <laughs> sort of hurtling to one side of the stable going oh my goodness what was that oh, bless so it's just really sort of just sort of teaching her that stuff happens things move People move. Life happens. And no one dies. <laughs> oh, bless her. Some cops um, can be like yeah, that, can't so... they? People think, you know, people have a sort yeah. of a, a brief overview of, oh, cops are slow and ploddy. But actually, there's such a broad spectrum. They're so clever. I think people underestimate how switched on they are. Because mine is so switched on, you can't get anything past him. <laughs> <laughs> oh no no quite and to be fair puzzle puzzle is much the same she's um you know th- there's nothing that, get, that gets past her at all and i think um, it's, that's half but... the fun isn't it getting them on your side like come on yeah. like, nothing can get past you but isn't it great if you work with me and we want to do it together and he's like mm, Absolutely. yeah go on then <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. And I I do find that sort of half the half the enjoyment I think of of having horses is building that bond, building that relationship. Um, and that's certainly what we've been focusing on with with Cobweb is just yeah, just teaching her how how to have a bond, how to have a relationship with a person. Um, because for an awful long time, the only relationships that she'd known really were with other horses. Um, and even I think up until a two-year-old, she was in the same herd as her mother. So often with that sort of thing, it can sort of prevent them actually standing on their own two feet for just that little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And she didn't have a lot of those kind of normal experiences that a, that a three-year-old would have. You know, most of us with our three-year-olds would long reign them all summer and you'd have a little sit on you'd go for a little wander build up their confidence just introduce the concept of things then you'd turn them away to have a think about it yeah that yeah that's it you'd have a little Uh, routine yeah yeah exactly well she didn't she didn't sort of have have any of of that she was just out with a couple of buddies um i think she went to the suit she was part of a very large herd up until the age of two um, she went to the sales but didn't sell as part of a stud dispersal and after that she was just in a field for a couple of years with two or three other buddies and you know again sort of you know wasn't wasn't really touched then until about sort of four and a half and then she wow. came to me just oh, wow. before she turned five um, so you know she's had a lot to learn you know in a short space of time and it was just our way of giving her that that time just to digest and just really just to learn to be a, a, a pony in an owned in you know in an owned environment yeah, sort of yeah, thing, rather is, than just being being is, a feral barrel well, that's <laughs> she, can, she has been <laughs> well that is do you know what though i'm listening to that and i'm thinking do you know what though that is a lovely it's it's harder now because she's a bit bigger and a bit stronger and it's you know you've got to make sure everything's at her own pace and at her own time and you can't yeah. you know not like these little three-year-olds when you do you just go right come on then we're doing this and they go oh uh okay then because they they've got no no other uh thoughts in the head but actually it must be quite it's a really lovely to hear she hasn't been drilled she had been handled enough to go to a sales she had you know she'd moved around a little bit it you know it's probably when she gets to 20 you'll be thinking oh brilliant all of everything that was needed to grow and fuse and all the bones that needed to strengthen weren't being pushed and yeah, it could could well be in many years' time. You're thinking that was the best thing for her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to be honest, I think she's actually a really late bloomer. Anyway, her. Um, I mean, just looking at the, some of the pictures of her, both as a foal, then as sort of a two-year-old, and then seeing her when she sort of arrived with me as sort of a four-year-old, so sort of four four and a half-year-old coming five, she was very. She's just very slight, um, and the amount of growing that she's done over the last year is amazing. I mean, she's grown sort of upwards, outwards. Her bone density, her muscle mass has has all really developed. So I think exactly as you say, you know, just the fact that we've we've been doing we've been doing handling, we've been doing education, we've been introducing tack, and actually the concept of of working and the concept of of working lightly but correctly and all those sorts of things. But whilst giving her the space to grow has actually been a really nice process um, and one that I, I hope will serve her well. I know, it makes my in, heart in so years, happy. years to come. <laughs> it does, it just makes you just, you know, it makes, it, it just makes my heart happy to hear like, oh, what a lucky pony. She's getting everything at her pace, which is just, oh, it's a bit like children, which we also talk about on the podcast. So you have um, a daughter, she's six and her name's Charlotte. Um and uh, she growing at her own pace too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yes, so Charlotte is um, probably not dissimilar from the ponies, actually, in terms of she is incredibly switched on and you can't get anything past her. (laughs) Um, (laughs) She is, I'm biased, obviously, because I'm her mum, but she is the most fabulous little character. Um, She's... She, I mean, she loves, she's fabulous with animals. She, she loves animals um, and, you know, she will quite happily bury her head in an animal fact book. Um, and, and then, you know, you get all sorts of facts repeated at you about animals oh, that you didn't that. even know existed. Oh, don't you um, love it? She's, she, I was oh, going to say, you think fabulous. you're I mean... educating them and you think you're <laughs> teaching them something, much like with horses, you think, oh, I'm teaching them this and I'm teaching them that. But actually, within six months, you're like, cool, I never knew that. <laughs> and they've taught you something. Exactly. <laughs> exactly that and it's and it's actually fabulous to see um and i love watching her little brain at work it's it's amazing it is absolutely amazing um but yeah she's she loves um she absolutely loves the horses um well so i'm quite lucky in that respect um although that said i've never sort of pushed her into you know you must do horses or, or anything like that you know she's always sort of poddled around sort of the yard with me but i've always always offered her sort of alternatives you know in that sense of you know no no, you don't have to come and do jobs with me if you want to kind of sit down and read a book while I do the mucking out or all that sort of thing then you can and and I've always you know she's never been sort of forced down the horsey route but it's certainly one that's that that she's chosen which which I think is quite nice as well (laughs) it's quite nice to know that they're sort of doing it out of their out of their own individual passion just as just as much as it might be an inherited one yeah Um, I think that is lovely because I think if you push it now you sour it for later on whereas if it's a more um uh, what's the right word organic growth of interest yeah. then you know it's you know it, it may well stay with them forever and we know we know how lovely it is when you when you love horses forever <laughs> oh absolutely and and i also find as well that when they're young you know if you really push it and you and you really drill them on it actually particularly when it comes to the winter and you say no, that's it. You have, you know, you have to come to the yard, or you have to do this, you have to do that. You know, when they're actually they're ever so, they're, you know, they're ever so small. They get cold quickly. They get, you know, the cold gets into them far quicker than it would do us. Things feel much colder to them. So even things like handling cold tools, yes. even if they're wrapped up to the nines and have gloves on, you know, they soon think, oh, actually, I don't really like this very much. Yes. Um, and it, it can actually become quite overwhelming for them. So I it's totally quite nice to, to, to give them that level of option so that, you know, she can, you know, they, they're like exactly as you say, you know, they can sort of grow their own love of it in their own way because ultimately that's what most of us do, don't we? We just sort of find our own way with hobbies, passions, things like that. And, and for things to be a passion, it. It, has to, it grows, it grows from somewhere. It doesn't, you don't just force it on someone. So. No, that's it. You, you expose yeah, them to, you expose them to it. You let them see and feel around it yeah. but yeah no, no one ever fell in love with anything being drilled drilled to do it so no that's lovely exactly that like so you help them dis- you help sort of help them discover it and then they find their own way which is which i think is quite nice <laughs> oh that's so lovely so jennifer you actually you currently work in insurance but you hold qualifications in equine nutrition I do, yes. So a little different, the two of them. Yes, <laughs> yes. One, one is so adulty, adult is very grown up. <laughs> um, but the other one is almost equally in a totally different way. Um, so just before I pressed record, you were telling me um, you got interested in equine nutrition because of a horse that you bred with um, later on down the line had gastric issues. Um, would you mind chatting a bit about equine nutrition? 
no of course that would be, be great <laughs> um yeah so I got I got into it so um we I read from puzzle some some years ago um and we had a lovely little um a little mare from her um but she started to struggle quite badly with gastric issues um I mean when when I look back I think she probably always had a little something going on um, and between sort of myself and the vet, we think it was probably due to a kind of a traumatic injury that she had as a foal, um, which caused potentially some issues with the formation of her hindgut, um, oh, wow. which we think then caused the consistent problems sort of at later in life. Um, but certainly in, in her sort of last three years, I mean, we, we sort of unfortunately sort of said goodbye to her at the end of 2020. Oh, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those things. It was absolutely devastating, but it, it was the right thing for her for sure. Um, you know, she she'd sort of given it to her all, and and I could tell, I could tell she she had grown very tired of of, of the whole thing, oh, um, and she was just she was just incredibly uncomfortable. Um, but you know, we'd we'd had a good sort of three years of of trying to get her right, and one of the things that I did find, you know, in particular when she was first diagnosed with with having gastric ulcers was that when you actually go to to try and do sort of a level of research to educate yourself on both causes symptoms all of the all of the different factors that that you would want to know about as a kind of a well as a well educated um you know, horse owner that's trying to help their animal and um, actually there was very little out there and yes. the only <laughs> real detail that you could get was and um, you know you, you get sort of certain levels of fact sheets from feed companies yes you but do an awful <laughs> lot of you, you do but an awful lot of those have a slant on them with and we can give you this product which will help um or it was all very high level and when you're sort of dealing with perhaps a slightly more deep-seated issue you know quite often you want to know a little bit more than than just that sort of high level sort of blurb oh yeah so, definitely even um, with a specific issue you you personally yeah. want to know more but even if you joe like me joe blogs but telling me oh there's 30 grams of this in that and there's 100 grams of this and that that means nothing i need to know why that's in there and what that does and how it differs from product to product don't just sell me oh you do this and you happen to do that that goes with it do you great <laughs> exactly that and there's such a heavy advertising um that that sort of goes along with most feed and supplement products and, and an awful lot of them could have all promised the same thing but actually when you look at what they contain they are actually wildly different so um so like you say it was just kind of you know in, in order to be able to look at things from an educated perspective to really work out what was best for inca at the time um i started studying um, some diplomas for um, in, in equine nutrition um, with the Open College of Equine Studies, um, who who are amazing. So if anyone gets the chance to check them out, um, oh, they yeah, do have a whole array of courses um, for, and distance learning. Um, so it was ideal for someone like me who's kind of a working mum with my own horses. Um, I was able to, to to do the studying in my own time at my own pace and um, quite often when Charlotte's asleep of an evening. Um, and that sort of thing. So, um, so it was ideal from that perspective. Um, and the more and more I sort of got into it, the more it's just really grown as a passion. You know, what started out as sort of just trying to understand more um, to help my own horse through, you know, through a period of discomfort. Actually, exactly as you said, you know, grew into a real passion in terms of actually 
it really is a, a huge minefield and when it comes to feeding horses even when it comes down to you know getting the right ration for your workload making sure that you've got the right level of protein yes. to support muscle health you know depending on your depending on your workload all of those sorts of things uh, making sure that the horse has a balanced you know a truly balanced diet because actually it's quite easy to knock a horse's diet out of balance because of you know marketing of supplements and, and things like that so um yeah no, it's, it's and it's just grown into a huge a huge passion sort of from there really um and yeah and it, so I'm, I'm sort of studying for um a sort of a, a further advanced um diploma at the moment which i'm really excited about um that's amazing yeah so it's yeah, just truly kind of just beca- keeping yeah. going from there it's become but you know what it, the word minefield couldn't be more accurate because it really is you you know there's so many different things out there there's so many different buzzwords and tick boxes and um this one is a complete you can have everything in this one miracle feed oh but you also need this this and this to go with it even though we said this you know that even though the bag says complete we need you know it's it is really hard and as your average horse owner it must be um it must be very hard to you know you get bombarded from all sides of oh we use this and they use that and the top they're all sponsored all the top riders are sponsored by different feeds and yeah it's it's something that maybe i think as well when you so for me for example um if i wanted to get my boys all looked at i've got um sorry i've lost my thing i've got um four cobs well i've got three uh two cobs a connemara and an irish um draft down at the yard currently if i call out saracens or baileys or um someone you know their nutritionist doesn't look at the horses and then go well none of our products quite fit this but tell you what spillers do a great thing or i don't dodson and horrell have this no they're going to be like we will shoehorn your horses into our products yeah absolutely and that's one of the things i think that really became apparent sort of to me when i was looking at a lot of the fact sheets and a lot of the feed advice that was out there that because a lot of it comes from the feed companies rather than from an independent source that actually there's a level of bias which is um yeah which is i mean obviously working in insurance now but um you know i would love to at some point be able to move over into providing sort of nutritional advice more formally because i do feel that actually having having a level of of an an independent sounding board that someone can talk to um you know in respect of their feeding options means that you can offer people essentially the best of both when it comes to you know varying feed options because it might be that denji or honey chop have a particularly really good chaff but actually if you mix it with an allen and page complete feed you know that yes. that would be your best option whereas actually if you speak to one feed company they're not going to offer you that option to mix and match or well, work was, out yeah. dependent on what your what different what different levels that your horse might need for its workload so that which was going to be feed product out there so that was going to be one of my questions um do you personally have a preferred feed brand or do you mix and match and you know you you purely go by ingredients on the back of the packet so I purely go on ingredients at the back of the packet. Um, I I will always opt for low sugar, low starch. Um, but particularly for my girls, being you know being cobs um, and cobweb needing absolutely no addition, no additional <laughs> energy levels whatsoever. Um, you know I I will always opt for kind of low sugar, low starch options. Um, I would always say to people, don't check the back of the packet because you would be amazed at things that are marketed as 
low energy non-heating um, can have sort of surprisingly high levels of starch in them. Would well, you know what? Surprising <laughs> sugar levels. Isn't it funny? Anecdotally, there's a particular there's a particular feed that is meant to be low starch that is meant to uh, be low heating. It's meant to yeah, it's meant to help horses that tie up. It's always recommended for horses that tie up, etc. Every horse I've ever put on it has been a spooky, horrible tit. <laughs> and it's, and I read the back. I read the back. I was like, "Why? I've this is not a cheap feed either." And I looked at the back of it, and when you touched it, it was greasy and oily. And I was like, yeah. "This doesn't feel to me <laughs> right." Yep. And lo and behold, when no, I actually exactly. read it, I was like, "Well, I can't believe I've been pumping this into them. No wonder they've nearly dumped me every day this week." But it was it's the marketing. <laughs> You know, everyone, yeah. this this is the company, this is the brand, they're the, you know. And it honestly, from then on, I grew a lot more sceptical. <laughs> like, hmm, I'm just gonna... Yeah, quite. And, 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 and to an extent, you know, I mean, there are some horses that can cope with sugar and starch in their diet, but there are others that even if they are in a heavy workload, sugar and starch will, will sort of fizz them up and actually make it much harder for them to deliver their workload and actually deliver what's being asked of them because it's a little bit like us stuffing a toddler full of blue Smarties <laughs> and then expecting them to concentrate. It's just not going to happen. Oh, I love that about blue Smarties. I was not allowed them as a child. If mum saw me with them, she was coming over to knock them out my hand. <laughs> Slow style. Yeah, it's like a rugby tackle you down. <laughs> That's it. That's it. But, um, but yeah, so sure that so that would I think always be my my first sort of port of call I think for anyone that's that's looking at at a particular feed or wondering whether a particular feed is suitable is always check the back of the packet um, because what you see or what's marketed on the front is not always what's inside the bag. Um, so yeah, it's I mean I say from from in terms of what my girls are fed, I mean it's for cobweb it's pretty much as, as bland as it gets i mean she's on unmolasses sugar beet and a chopped oat straw chaff um which has absolutely nothing added to it it is quite literally finely chopped oat straw and then she has a few supplements added in um just for for other bits and bobs um and puzzle is on um a light veteran cube and similarly a chopped oat straw chaff um so, you know, so, and that's, that's more because obviously at, at her age, she requires just that little bit more protein to, to, yes. um, to maintain her muscle mass. Um, yeah. And she's on the Alan, Alan and Page sort of, uh, not Alan, uh, yes, Alan and Page, um, veteran light. Um, and that's just quite nice. It's easily soakable um, and it's got quite a nice level of protein in it without too much anything else. This so it just it. helps her muscle tone just that little bit more. This um, is it. And then that's it. Sorry, it's just knowing, listening to you then, it's just um, for your average person, it's it's knowing, uh, you can read the back of the packet, but it could still be jargon, um, sometimes, sometimes you can read it and it will say, you know, ash on the back, and you think, what does that mean, how much of that do I want to feed, um, and I think, what would be your top tip, if you're, say you're going in to feed a native horse, who is in good condition, being, you know, good average condition being ridden four days a week um and you're just looking to maintain that it's this time of year so our grass is a little bit sugary say (laughs) so so i would say particularly when it comes to to natives i would say balance first and once you've once you've got once you're comfortable that the horse is getting a balanced diet 
you can think about adding additional calories or additional supplements afterwards if you think you need them. It's really easy with um, particularly um, either a complex diet or one where you're trying to, to adjust to maintain and not add on any extra weight to actually lose the balance of vitamins and minerals. Yeah. But that, that kind of that daily balance, I would say, is your first port of call, because if the horse isn't getting its daily recommended sort of amount of, of, very, of, you know, of all of the vitamins and minerals that it needs, regardless of whether you need it to maintain weight, lose weight or anything else, you will notice kind of a, a dip in quality That's elsewhere. So it, it'll, lack, it'll, lack, it'll lack a little bit of shine. It'll lack a little bit of spark in its work. And then people will say, well, hold on, you know, I, I need the pony to be on a, on a bit of a diet, but now it's gone sluggish in its work. Sort of the, the majority of native ponies. And I think the other factor as well is also workload. We most often will overestimate how much we work our ponies. Yes, um, very so, true. <laughs> so, 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 you know, what you might read on the back of the packet for, you know, feed, feed X amount for low, medium or high, an awful lot of people will feed for a medium workload when in actual fact, you know, you yeah. want a low workload. Yeah, that's so, really true. So Be true to yourself. Don't try and think, oh, yes, well, I went for a canter two weeks ago, so that counts. <laughs> But also, I think it's, it's um, you know, I think people kind of feel like, well, you know, well, they must be in a medium workload. But actually, what we perceive to be sort of medium, actually, a low workload is, 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 is fine. Yes. <laughs> and actually, quite often, what a relatively strenuous schooling session once or twice a week and then building in hacking and everything else can still be deemed a low workload. But it doesn't mean you're not working your horse enough. So there's no, there's nothing wrong with saying that it's a low workload. Yes, that's really I think true. Sometimes people kind of I think sometimes people can be reticent to say it's a low workload because they think, oh God, well if the horse needs to lose a little bit of weight and I'm only giving it a low workload, am I really doing enough? And they sort of feel like there's an element of sort of personal, yes, personal, personal criticism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, whereas actually, you know, low workload is fine because actually quite often low is split into low one and low two. Um, and when you look at an awful lot of the criteria for low two, it, it's actually quite a lot of the pony club, you know, you know, pony club riding club activities um, and medium workload actually is when you start getting into, you know, sort of slightly more intense training and then a high workload is actually racing, Race hunting horse, a number yeah. of times a week, yeah. that sort of thing. So high workload really is incredibly it's those heart rate zones and, and sort almost. of high performing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, so so going back to what you were saying before, around, sorry, I, I digress massively there, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it, is interesting. Um, it is interesting, though, because uh, it it's very true. <laughs> because I hunt, I work for a hunting family, and I work the horses very hard in the winter, I am guilty of, in the spring, thinking, it takes me a couple of weeks to go, oh, maybe they're not, they're, I'm still not maintaining that level of work, but I've continued to feed them as if they were. And I have to, you know, I always have to be like, hang on, wake up pay attention yeah, they're not doing that anymore. and it's easy done yeah exactly and it's easy done because we fall into routine and like say so you'll you'll be in your winter routine and then you know quite often we really need to be preparing for our spring routine sort of usually around february time because our spring grass will quite often start coming through in in march and a lot of those early shoots can be yes. like absolute rocket fuel yes so, <laughs> particularly if you particularly you know i think as most of us have probably been crying about yes. <laughs> we're all so, familiar the spring grass end yeah <laughs> we're all sort of oh good another two hours a... of just really hot rain <laughs> brilliant i can't wait till the sunshine follows it <laughs> oh it's frosty exactly. this morning perfect <laughs> 
look good 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 excellent more sugar that's exactly what we want um but yeah so i think you know particularly if you're if you've kind of got a a relatively good doer where you just want to maintain and you're coming into coming into sort of the good grass um you know just you know a, a relatively sort of mid mid to locale chaff um and and a balancer if you've got something that needs to lose a bit of weight i would usually say instead of feeding a pelleted balancer go for the powdered general the the general supplement powders um because to an extent an awful lot of the pelleted balancers will always have just that little bit more sugar in them because they need molasses to make the pellets stick together that's really good tip and there's there's there's, and that, there's nothing wrong with that if the horse is, if you're okay just at maintaining weight. But if you've got something that gets really chubby, you know, in the spring and summer months, then I would always go for a locale chaff and a powder rather than a pelleted balancer. Um, and again, even with some of the pelleted balancers, read the back of the packet because some of those that are marketed as low calorie balancers, when you, again, once you look at the sugar and starch ratio, um, actually aren't yeah, perhaps quite surprise. as low as you would Im- yeah, quite, aren't perhaps quite as low as you would expect them to be for what they're marketed as. Um, and if you're trying to counter the additional sugars in the grass, um, then that's always something to, to bear in mind. Um, that said, when you're looking at structure sort of overall sugary sort of sugar intake, it's it's always worth considering, well, okay, it might say 5% sugar, for example, but I'm only feeding 300 grams of it. So actually, five percent is is really quite minimal considering they're also going to get through six kilos of hay so you know it's all about you know balancing in a little bit of give and take in that it's so scientific soaking it it is and it's just i think it's just about it's just about considering the big picture because it's very easy to get sunk into well what is going into the feed bucket and people will quite often say, well, you know, they need to lose weight. They need to do this. They need to do that. And I've, I've stripped down all, you know, I've gone with the lowest calorie options I can. But, you know, actually, you, you might be better off soaking, you know, soaking the hay for a little bit or um, or kind of looking at your sort of turnout options to, to kind of restrict some of that sugar intake. Um, so particularly it's... at a time of year where they're taking it in quicker than they can burn it off. Yes, that's... Do you know what? I always... Um... I'm always on a perpetual, I must lose weight. But the problem is I love food. And my dad and my husband both say, Rose, you have two options. You either eat less or you move more. <laughs> and that is, is sometimes it's as simple as that, isn't it? They've either got to eat, eat less or you've got to move them more. And it's sort of what can you do and what can't you do? Yeah, exactly that. And, and um, you know, I'm, I mean, let's say for, for having sort of two good doers, I mean, puzzle, puzzle coat you know is fine on having you know she will pick at hay in a small hold hay net and it will last sort of it will last her long enough but cobweb for example she will she will give up she won't eat out of a small hold hay net wait yep i mean it took her a while to work out how to use a hay net oh bless her (laughs) she did she did stand there at one point going Excuse me, excuse me. Someone's trapped my hay and I can't get it out. Oh, love her. <laughs> so I was there and I, I, end, I ended up pulling all of these bits of hay out of the gaps of her hay net. Oh, and, I mean, her hay ended up looking like a, a mine by the, by the time I'd finished with it. Um, oh, but um, Yes, but, but, but for example, she's a pony that whilst you have to be careful in terms of her calorie intake, you could 
you couldn't restrict her fiber intake because absolutely she is she would be a, a, you know typical she'd get ulcers within about five minutes if she had yes. periods of time if she had empty time without a good quality yeah if she had a good if she sort of went for went for a time without fiber so with her I would always opt for I would maintain ad lib access to hay she's also now on a straw bed um and she is that fussy that she prefers wheat straw to oat straw oh of course <laughs> she's, a, she's an absolute monkey um but you know, having obviously she, you know, she will pick at her bed. But you know, that's that's a wheat straw, so that's that's not too bad. So that's relatively indigestible fibre. So at least she has something going through her through her tum. But I would always maintain her ad lib access to hay. And if I'm concerned about her weight, the ad lib stays, but it would be soaked for a considerable period of time to get all of the sugar out. Oh, that's so such you're not good restricting. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> so you're not so you're not restricting fibre intake, but you are cutting calories. That's so And it's just finding that little balance. Um, once, now that you've studied all of this, do you find it transferable between yourself and with Charlotte? And do you find yourself like automatically picking up, oh, I need to do this or I need to change that? Um, so I guess, sort of, I guess, sort of yes and no, I guess. Um, so for, my, for myself, Definitely not. Um, I'm def- I'm definitely that sort of <laughs> typical kind of horsey mum in terms of sort of the child eats amazingly, so do the horses, <laughs> and I live off of fizzy drinks. <laughs> <laughs> you grab what um, you can get and go. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Um, but but it does make you so much more aware, I think, of um, how things are marketed versus what they actually are it does it does make you read the packet of what you buy you know in the supermarket or anything like that um just that little bit more carefully because you know things may well say you know you know eat as part of a balanced diet or it's low sugar this, that, and, other, and, and it's and it's and it's already it's still got a massive big red line on the bottom you're like no, that is not suitable for children she will never sleep after this <laughs> <laughs> Um, and and that sort of thing so it's quite it is and it certainly makes you more it does make you more um more conscious around kind of general general balance of things for sure so um what does a normal week look like for you jennifer you've got um charlotte obviously who's six so she must be at school uh yes so she's um so she's seven she's just that little bit older um and she's um yeah, so she's she's at school. She's just changed school. Um, so after the Easter holidays, she started. Um, she started at a new school, which has gone really well, which is a huge relief. Oh, that's um, good. Oh gosh, that is a relief because you can, it can go either way, can't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so that that seems to have gone well. So I'm I'm really relieved about that. Um, she came out with just the biggest smile on her on her face after her first day, and oh, it was just you know you're just like oh that's so brilliant. Oh. Um, so yeah, so what does our usual week look like? So generally speaking, I use the weekend to try and get ahead of jobs for the week. And um, we've got a fairly set routine um, when it comes to Monday to Friday, obviously, which which pretty much all revolves around school hours. Yes. Um, I, I work full time, um, so I tend to do the school run in and around meetings. So little things like blocking time out of your diary so I tend not to do I tend not to take much of a lunch break at lunchtime but I will take a later lunch and do the school run um but I mean I'm quite lucky in that the company that I work for 
is is quite flexible in terms of how you structure your hours it's more around are you delivering what you need to deliver um so brilliant yeah yeah i mean it's 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 one of those things that they've always been largely like that um but with covid and having to move to a far more agile model it's really accelerated that because so many people were having to homeschool as well as work on you know do their full-time <laughs> job and trying to service so many people were prematurely aging <laughs> oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely um and you know in being able i think one of the things that certain companies realized i think were was that you know the, we had we had staff members who were having to take certain amount of time out of their day to make sure that their their child's educational needs were being met but there were so many of us working so late into the evening once the children were asleep to then catch up on work because not only is it was it really challenging just purely trying to multitask and do both work and homeschooling but also there are certain tasks that you needed to do during the day that you just couldn't do with it with a little one asking questions or just just being able to meet their basic needs so um from my own perspective if I was reading a kind of a recent regulatory release or something like that trying to do that whilst providing three meals a day and making sure all of the lessons were covered and making sure that the little one you know was was well cared for I just couldn't do both well enough so that was a job that I did um once once she was asleep but I do think it's it's something that seems to have hung around for just a little bit longer and it seems to be a kind of perhaps more of a lasting feature of certain workplaces after COVID is that people have said, well, actually, people were quite happy if we offered them that level of flexibility. We, we actually got an awful lot more out of our out of our people. Oh, that's back, so good. Which has been amazing. It has been amazing. And I'm lucky that, you know, my boss particularly is, is incredibly good um, with, with that sort of thing. So in terms of, you know, I tend to try and manage my work diary so that I have certain times blocked out for things like the school run. Um, and then at the weekends, I do think so puzzle, for example, is on quite a lot of supplements, given her age. Um, so what I will do is I will measure them all out. And I will measure them all into daily pots. Oh, wow. So that when it comes to <clears throat> yeah, so when it comes to then making her feed rather than me having to open up. I'm going to say eight, it's definitely more than eight um, <laughs> different pots to put into her feed. Um, I literally the, 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 the nuts go in, the chaff goes in, it soaks up, and then I've got one pot, I tip half into one bucket, half into another bucket, and that's Perfect. it, feeds done. So it makes life just that little bit easier sort of for the evening. That's a great um, tip. Get it all done at the weekend. You've got the extra time. Yes. There's no pressure. Yeah, definitely. Sunday afternoons are a great um, a great time for doing making up supplement pots and making up hay nets in advance and things like that. Oh, hay nets. <laughs> it's a great time. <laughs> hay nets. I did a poll recently about favourite stable yard jobs and not out of 200 odd voters, not a single person went for hay nets. No one's favourite job. It's no one's favourite job. And it's one of those jobs that seems to go on ever such a long time. And you're, you're there sort of still trying to get the hay in the hay net. The hay net is still collapsing and you're wondering when it's going to end. That's, that's, <laughs> yes. And, and, then, and then, you know, you've still got five more to do. 
Yeah, exactly. And you're pretty sure it's the same five that you had to do an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh, my God. You know. Um, we all know. <laughs> we do. We do. It is definitely one of those. If someone shows you a hate, it's like, if you know, you know. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so we try and get most of, you know, as much of those sorts of jobs done um, at the weekend as possible. And then really then kind of once we hit sort of Monday morning, we're kind of in that in that sort of general routine of, school juggling meetings school runs all the rest of it when it comes to sort of evenings once we've sort of done the school run Charlotte's usually sort of had a bit of tea we've gone and we've gone up to gone up to the yard just to sort of to sort out bits and bobs for the evening um that will be kind of either kind of working the ponies or doing what we need to do <coughs> and that's when I find obviously dependent it can sort of vary then depend obviously on on the age of of your little one as to what that kind of looks like and it's definitely a question of you know you you find what sort of routine and what sort of pattern works for you and your little one and you know in the same way that you know we so often say when when you have children you know you find what works for you it may not work for other people but yes. if it works for you that's fine yes. and you know we all find our own way with it um for example, we, we will quite often do spellings while we're mucking out, you know, if we're doing kind of jobs of an evening, um, times table practice, that sort of That's thing. Or exactly actually, it. I actually find it's, I find it quite, quite a nice environment actually to, to do that sort of thing. Because when you're, when you're practicing sort of things with spellings and times tables with them, they can actually quite easily become quite overwhelmed. So you'll That's say, you know, can it. you spell this word for me? And they just look at you in panic as if say, oh my goodness, that sounds really difficult. I'm not sure what to do with that because it, because it's been such a it's quite direct a, question. Yeah, it's like a pressured actually, environment doing yeah, it like exactly, that face to face. Yeah, so exactly. So kind of mulling it around just in conversation or, you know, making it into a little game while you're mucking out um, actually helps them get to grips with the spelling of slightly more complicated words or just getting into the pattern of times tables because they're moving in a little bit of a pattern as well yeah. and because they're physically because they're physically moving and doing something, it disperses that slightly worrisome energy. That's so, so such can... a good point. I love that. I love that because otherwise it can be quite, not dead time, but it's time that you're doing, you know, a job. You're doing a job anyway. So how nice to actually, pra- like, come on, let's, you know, two, twos are four and is that's great. Yeah, it's quite, um, it's, and like I say, it kind of, it, it makes the time a little bit more productive. But I think it also then makes it less of a confrontational topic for yeah. sort of for the little ones as well. Um, and, and also, I mean, the other thing that I have to say was, has been probably one of my best investments is um, a teeny tiny muck skip and rake. Oh. Um, it's, def- it's Charlotte's, it's Charlotte's favourite thing on the yard ever. And if it means that she can, as I'm sort of mucking out doing main bits, if there's little bits that she can sort of scrape up and put into her muck skip and put into the wheelbarrow while she's, you know, you know, we're kind of chittering and chattering about whatever it is that we're we're practicing at the time. Um, it just it gives her a chance to feel like she's joining in. Oh, that's so um, and just yeah, she's being important. Yeah, she's doing the bits that you know otherwise would get missed. That's yeah, exactly. And it really helps the sort of I, I find it really helps her feel part of it. And you know, we we're looking after the horses together. It's not like well, we're just going up to the stables to look after Mummy's horses. It's it's yeah. a real family thing. They are, they are our horses, um, you know, and we we do it all together. And even if I'm working cobweb, for example, she'll very you know she'll sit on the mounting block um, as we're as we're working, 
Um, and I'll say to her, right, Poppy, you know, we're going to have a look at how she's moving today. You know, I need your help in, in helping me work out, you know, what, what we think. You know, do we think she's looking a bit tense? Do we think she's looking a bit worried? Or do we think she's looking really chill? Um, oh, and, you know, and, and then you can kind of bring them on that journey with you and teach them, you know, that actually there's there's different kinds of snorting. Yeah. <laughs> there's well, angry snorting it, and there's relaxed snorting. Isn't it amazing? And actually she's, she's got a... Go on, sorry. I was going to say, isn't it amazing how they sometimes pick up on things in a childlike observation that you go well yeah yeah you're right oh yeah absolutely we can underestimate how observant children are um tenfold um they are far more perceptive to body language and to that sort of thing than than we give them credit for really um yeah and i think because you know as adults you know we're and you know pace of life is so fast and particularly once you get into sort of parenthood you you know you try and you're just trying to to get through everything and just make sure that everyone gets through the day alive and fed and yes. happy let's just make it to the end of the day we're going to be good we've all and, got to the actually, end of the day <laughs> yeah exactly and I always find I mean I grew up in East London I, I, I live sort of out sort of in Suffolk now but um I always likened it to you know when you're on the tube we as animals as mammals were never designed to to be packed in in quite such close proximity with everybody else you know you can see all around you everybody is exhibiting very uncomfortable body language you know yes. newspaper yeah. newspapers up hunched up shoulders everyone out of my body space but everyone just crams on in anyway so we actually have become quite um dulled to our own body like we actually still communicate very much with our you know, with our facial yeah. expressions, with body language, but we have become so dulled to that type of communication, purely through pace of life and proximity and, and, and that sort of thing, everything becomes, becomes very functional. But children haven't got to that stage yet, so they are far more perceptive, um, you know, to that sort of thing. And I think it's amazing to see, it's amazing to watch. Yeah. particularly the thing like so the things that they will comment on like oh, wow that's that's incredible it is it's so funny because children horses uh, for me dogs as well you think you're teaching them something and you know i'm older therefore i'm going to teach you this but it's amazing how often you'll look back and you'll go oh i learned a lot then i didn't realize that or i'd forgotten this or yeah they picked up on that that i didn't it's yeah oh yeah hugely so and i think you know animal and i exactly say you know horses dogs you know sort of animals in general but i do i do find sort of horses specifically can really help us retune in to our own communication skills um it's something i find kind of working in an office environment particularly with some quite strong characters <laughs> um, and and in my in my job which is often saying to people you know actually you want to do x but legally you can't so you need to think about remodeling it and these are your parameters because you can't do it the way you want to do it we'll have to do it you have to do it in a way that looks a little like this so you kind of go away remodel um and quite often you know people will get a little bit you know um yeah a little bit upset yes, <laughs> around the fact yeah, that the... you know their, their, their initial idea it hasn't hasn't quite sort of borne the fruit they wanted to um and actually with you know with with that kind of the with with that comes a sort of sense of style of communication you know either that you're having to be a little thick-skinned or the fact that you're having to be, you know, you're just having to say, well, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, this is this is the kind of what we've got to consider, that sort of thing, that actually when you get to the yard, 
it's really useful to let's say just have that 10 minutes of of downtime to sort of just to yeah, retune just, in yeah. with just sort of slightly more yeah slightly, slightly just yeah, get... yeah exactly so slightly more grounded communication skills and that sort of thing and then quite often actually you know it helps you sort of in your day-to-day role just as much so. that's so <laughs> true in your day-to-day role working and as mum so yeah. before I um, pressed record, um, Jen, we were talking about um, your pregnancy and what you know about the well-meaning advice that we get from from people not horsey. So you actually had quite a tough pregnancy with Charlotte. <laughs> yes, um, yes. Yeah, so I um, had um, hyperemesis uh, gravidarum. Um, which is an extreme form of morning sickness, um, and I mean, so for for anyone who who has experienced a similar sort of thing, it's it's certainly not just feeling a bit queasy or being a little bit, you know, being a little ill a couple of times a day. You know, it's you you literally cannot keep anything down, um, and 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 it's sort of being ill multiple times an hour. Oh, not gosh. um you know sort of um so that's that that was fun was that, <laughs> that was definitely from, fun was that from the minute was that from almost you know like as soon as you realized you were pregnant it was you were poorly or did it take time to develop i think it must so i was in hospital by 11 weeks oh gosh, um, so it must i think it's probably started around week eight or nine um so not not long after i think i think i'd realized i was pregnant probably around i think it would have worked out around week six um but yeah by about sort of week eight or nine it it started to get a little tricky um well, but, a little uh, tricky. Yes. i can't, I can't <laughs> imagine like bending over to pick out horses feet going oh i don't feel so hot yeah, no, that's yeah. Um, wheelbarrows came in really useful oh, <laughs> for mugging you. out, oh, and everything took a very long time. Oh, bless um, you. But um, yeah, and and to be fair, I mean, I mean that the horses were 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 you know were amazing. Um, to be honest, I mean Inca, who actually was the, was the pony who we then lost to the to the gastric issues. She knew quite literally the, the you know the minute I was pregnant, and she could be an incredibly feisty little lady um she was sort of 75 percent welsh cob oh. <laughs> um, and, 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 and didn't, yes and didn't she know it sort yeah. of thing which was a fantastic animal she was really beautiful um but an, an absolute heart of gold but she 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 um she knew how fabulous she was for sure um and she was you know she was just so gentle um and 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 puzzle similarly so I was very lucky from that perspective, but yeah, it was um, it was definitely quite a, quite you know quite a challenge, kind of just you know to be honest, an awful lot of the time, you know, even just getting up out of bed, you, it was just very much just breaking everything down into very small steps. It was okay. All I need to do is sit up straight. Oh. Okay, I can do that. And then you know you just break things down into kind of um, yeah, say small small sections, um, which made it achievable, <laughs> oh. and rather than thinking, oh my goodness, I've got to get up, I've got to go downstairs, I've got to feed the horses, I've got to do feet, I've got to do grooming, I've got you know that was um, you know that 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 would have made it quite overwhelming. So yeah, small you just steps had definitely the way forward. All you could do, yeah, one step at a time. Oh bless you! Then you were in hospital by eleven weeks with it, and then you you told yeah. me quite a funny story story of your midwife lived three doors down she did so by the end of my so so by week 24 I was pretty much in in a form of early labor I was um 
I was contracting sort of quite heavily and they sort of hooked me up to the ECG machines and and my contractions were sort of so strong that you could see the shape the shape of Charlotte, you know, no. in, in my stomach. And they were they had me up on the on the machines and they're saying, with the strength of these contractions, that like, we do not understand why you're not pushing a baby out right now. Um, oh my goodness, this is like twenty four weeks. It, yeah, and and they were rhythmical, so it wasn't just like Braxton Hicks where they would just be kind of sporadic. They would go literally twenty five minutes for a while then it would be every 20 minutes 15 minutes 10 minutes five minutes two minutes and then they and then it would sort of maybe lull for a little bit and then would go back to 25 minutes and then it would the same cycle would happen again so they were quite worried that that charlotte was going to be premature um but we sort of hung on in there albeit i was on you know i wasn't allowed to really travel i wasn't allowed to be any further than about half about half an hour away from the hospital sort of any given time and, oh. and that sort of thing but towards the you know so it was hung on in there and sort of towards right towards the end my blood pressure started to rise um, and my I had a slight change in midwife and it was sort of one of my neighbors who lived literally three doors down <laughs> and she was sort of saying to me look you know you, you've got to you know you cannot underestimate how hard your body is working right now you've got to stay off your feet I was like yeah no that's great Jan I will I will she's like I can see your fields from my window if I see you <laughs> in your fields i am coming to put you back in your house it's like okay jan i won't don't worry <laughs> I literally sat there and i was like oh that's it i'll be busted you're gonna now. need to get a false beard and a set of glasses <laughs> exactly that i was like oh no she's gonna be she's gonna be watching what i'm doing um because her back garden backed onto some of my fields so it wasn't even as though she had to look very far oh, <laughs> she only had to look in her back garden and she'd have seen me waddling around <laughs> oh, bless you that's so funny it's so i mean it is really really lucky that she was three doors up because at least you know oh, well if i can't get to hospital at least at least she's there <laughs> exactly that exactly and we were we were good friends because we we um, we both had um border collies so we would we would quite often um we would quite often take the dogs out for a walk together so it was actually oh, quite nice so to have lovely. um to have someone quite familiar helping sort of in in the last stages um and she was very sweet she sort of made sure that once you know once charlotte did arrive and we came home that she was um she was first round to come and do our our sort of postnatal checks so <laughs> she was very sweet it was oh, lovely that's so lovely. And um, once Charlotte was out, were you, you know, not, I mean, obviously no one's straight back to full fitness, but you stopped being poorly? You suddenly weren't on box rest, as it were? You know, exactly that. I was, um, so, yes, yeah, so I was, um, so all of, yes, yeah, so I certainly was nowhere near as, nowhere near as poorly. So there was no, no sickness or anything like that. All of the swelling, or literally, I think the swelling, I think pretty much went away within uh, an hour maybe a shot wow. being born, a couple of hours yeah so it was yeah I mean yeah we, we think that the midwife who had looked after me through the majority of my pregnancy had potentially missed that I might have been ever so slightly um subject to preeclampsia <clears throat> yes. um because I and because I wasn't showing one of the symptoms um we think that uh, it potentially went under the radar, but we think that might have been what the, the swelling was and and why it went so quickly after Charlotte arrived. Um, I had a few complications after um, after um, sort of postpartum, um, which you know wasn't wasn't too wasn't sort of too bad, but it did just mean that 
I had to just be kind of gentle on my feet just for a couple of weeks afterwards. But at that point, you no, know, Charlotte was a summer baby, so the ponies, you know, I sort of turned the ponies away yeah. for a few weeks. They were quite happily stuffed, sort of stuffing their faces. Um, and it meant that I was quite able just to sort of just to toddle out to the fields and actually just go and just spend some time with them. You know, I just sort of went and sat, and sat on a on an upturned bucket and just oh. watched them eat. Just the they bliss. sort of came over. Yeah, just to have that therapeutic time with them. They just sort of came over, had a snuffle, sort of said, hey, mum, how's it going? And then off they toddled again. And and that was, I think yeah, that, that certainly kept me, that kept me sane for sure. Um, we... Charlotte was quite poorly when she was first born, so we'd we'd been in um, special care for a good week or so before we were allowed home, which no which no one prepares you for. You know, when you're looking in these sort of NCT classes and that sort of thing, no one quite prepares you for what it's like when when baby sort of goes into into special care, Um, and particularly because you then end up sort of. I mean, she wasn't sick, sick, but she was really struggling to feed, and she was sort of quite underweight, quite quite weak. Um, so and it was, she was you know, teeny I was in anyway when she was born. She was, she was. She was sort of four pounds fourteen, um, and then went down to four pound five um, because she was struggling to feed. So she was a real tiddler. Um, but I mean, I mean, there's, there's advantages to small babies. So oh, <laughs> I'm only dinky myself. So. Oh, are you? Oh, <laughs> so, um, you know, they they do they do say that you know your your body only sort of gives you gives you a baby that that, that your sort of your body can handle sort of thing. <laughs> um, but and she, but once she got the hang of feeding, she grew you know grew like a weed. Bless her. She was she was absolutely um, kind of on a roll, which was which was so lovely. Um, but it was nice, you know, having. You know, having been up all hours of the night, um, sort of trying to get her to feed, because we were feeding her through a tube. Um, wow. So, but we were still going, getting her to go through the motions of feeding, and then the nurse was feeding her through the tube just so that she could at least build the association um, with, with sort of suckling and getting it a full tummy. Because they were saying, well, actually, if, if all we do is feed her via a tube, she may well never develop oh, the wow. appropriate suck reflex. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was amazing actually, um, and I'll be honest, you know, sort of the, the sort of the midwife and the special care nurses don't get um, don't get anywhere near as much credit as they deserve. Some of the things that that they are that they have to deal with is is incredible. Bless yes. them, superheroes. Um, but, oh, hugely so, hugely so. Um, but nevertheless, it, it, it was a huge relief to get home, um, and and it was just I just never forget the relief of you know once once we were home, just being able just to go and just just stroke the horses I know that sounds like yeah. a really daft thing to no, say but I think you know, I you know so before we got started we were sort of talking about that sort of that therapeutic relationship yes. that, that we that we have with them uh, until, um, and actually how beneficial that is that's it. until you don't have it until you you know you for your own health you have to stay away or until you have to be in hospital for a, for a trip or yeah. anything like that until you haven't got that horsey contact you don't realize quite how how much they do they are your therapy they are your their home for me their home that's how i feel yeah absolutely that and i think um you know and particularly when you're sort of thrown into parenthood because you know labor sort of you know it, it is what it is and, and that's it there's no there's no rest after that point it's not as though okay that's it baby's arrived I can gather <laughs> <Yes>. my faculties <laughs> and then I will tackle being a parent that's it wham bam you're you know you're straight into it and whilst you're working all of that out and particularly when you're having your first and it's 
you know, and you're you're just trying to get it all all right. You're sort of absorbing an awful lot of information and what you need to do. Actually, those just those few minutes of just quiet with your horse, where you just have a little a little stroke, a little little mutual groom, a little cuddle with them, that sort of thing, or even just sit and listen to them eat. Yes, it it the benefit that that can bring bring you in those early days of being a mum. I I mean, I personally found invaluable. Yes, and I, I think it does so. go to show that there's no you know it's not a question of a trade off between you know you either have horses or you have children actually they can be mutually beneficial to having both yes which is like that is my core belief with this podcast i that you shouldn't have to give up anything you shouldn't have to give up anything you can either do children and horses and they can mix and your child takes your passion as well and it's magical or it's your time for yourself, it's your time to be you, Jen, you go out, you do the horses, you think about every, you know, you think about being present in the moment whilst you're with the horses, and then you tackle the rest of the day, you know, it's, no one should have to to give it up just because they're being told to, or society's pressures on it, you know, it's, it's my... It's just such a lovely thing. And like smiling at the thought of you sat on your bucket watching them pick at grass. Your midwife's got, got looking out the kitchen window. <laughs> yeah, with my midwife hiding behind the bushes. <laughs> I'll allow <laughs> this. Working out to out. send me back home. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's amazing. But, uh, but yeah, exactly that. And um, and yeah, and I think like you say, it's um, it, it's a it's just a lovely like I say, it's it doesn't necessarily has it doesn't necessarily have to be one one or the other and I do quite strongly believe that you know everyone just finds finds their own right way of doing it and it and it depends on so many different individual factors in term you know it could be um, anything from what type of livery setup sort of you're on whether you have the horses at home what's you know what your you know what your date sort of daily daily work is age of your child family setup all yeah. of those different things all of those different lifestyle factors, which vary so hugely for all of us, naturally means that what works for you will be a little different from what works for someone else. But as long as it works for you, that's okay. Yes, that's that is perfect. That's perfect. Like, don't measure yourself up against anyone else. As long as you've got the power of positive thinking, where there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. I think one of my favourite sayings is never me- never measure yourself using someone else's ruler. Yes, I love that. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I think that's, and I think that sort of thing's quite sort of quite sort of appropriate for this for this sort of scenario in terms of you know everyone's ruler being their lifestyle. Yeah, you know you you can only measure yourself based on your own your own lifestyle, your own setup, and, yes. and what works for you guys. Oh, that's so lovely, um, Jen. I've taken up so much of your evening. Um, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, I'm gonna my last question is do you have any plans and goals for 2022 what are you what are you hoping for what are you aiming for just to have fun if I'm being completely honest um yes it's I'm (laughs) I'm really looking forward to to, hopefully we'll be at the point of, of sort of getting back on cobweb which would be lovely um I mean if she's if you know if we have any setbacks and and we don't that's fine too but you know it would it would be really lovely just to spend particularly the summer 
just you know just having you know having some fu- having some fun with the ponies to be honest i mean you know whether that means that we'll kind of get out either for a couple of either sort of long rain or ridden hacks or do a couple of little shows here and there or yeah just yeah just, just enjoy. to in- enjoy just enjoy build on what we've what we've done already um and just have fun in the process to be honest oh, that's so lovely jen it's been such a pleasure to chat to you Thank you so much. Oh, you too. Much. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh, no, I so appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for coming on and chatting to me. Um, I'm sat with a grin on my face because it's lovely to chat to someone like-minded um, where, you know, the horse the horse is, um, it's a little bit of, of peace. It's um, yeah, lovely. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. It felt so... Um, educational to be chatting to Jennifer I feel like I learned so much in the process of just understanding um I don't know about you and um I can only speak for myself but I like feeding my horses even though they are a bunch of little land hippos I like in the morning going in and if I give them chaff I know they've got full tummies for the day so I I don't panic so much because one of them is very prone to ulcers um so I find it really like satisfying to be like I've given you feed I know you've got full tummies and I try really hard to make sure that they're not getting any extra calories because they are little fatties I call them my land hippos um but I found it really really interesting to hear that even when my guys are in full full hunting work they're probably still not needing that amount of calories shoveled into them and it's well worth readdressing readdressing the balance of sugar and starch um and um I had a really interesting chat with Jennifer beforehand um where she was talking about how you even combined sugar and starch should be less than 10% of what you're feeding an ulcery horse which is something I had no knowledge of despite the fact I've been looking after a horse prone to ulcers for the last three years so that's something that you know just that sort of information isn't out there for us and if Jennifer were to ever set up her own business as um, an equine nutritionist um, particularly if she didn't happen to be attached to a particular brand um she can just give an overall view and general knowledge oh my goodness it would just be such a great tool for horse owners because you could get genuine perspective on the best thing to feed your horse and you can pay for a tailored meal plan oh i'd chuck my money over to her now and i absolutely loved what jennifer was saying about um letting Charlotte find horses for herself and letting it be an organic growth. Um, I make no secret of the fact that Albie has no interest in horses at all. Um, He will come to the yard, but he'll happily play in a shavings fort or he'll get his diggers and dumpers out and I've got a sand pit up there for him. And very, very occasionally he'll say, oh, I'll have a sit on, mum, can I have a sit on? But it wouldn't go much further than that. Um, And I love that actually she's not the... um, pushy parent and she's like if charlotte wants to find horses and wants to enjoy them be around them i'm not making a muck out at 5 a.m before school um because that's a surefire way to put children off and i think that's you know it's really it's great foresight because in 20 years time she's gonna have a little riding buddy hopefully um and that's just so lovely i i absolutely loved um jennifer's whole mindset and outlook um just towards um being more in tune with everything that's around us i think is absolutely wonderful and i hope you enjoyed listening to this week's interview as much as i enjoyed chatting to jennifer
Hi, my boy. Oh, yeah. We've got back from our most recent holiday. <laughs> yeah, no, it was nice, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, very, really nice getaway. First time, as for a lot of people, it will be as well. First time for years. First time as a family we've gone away, isn't it? Yeah, it is actually. It is the first time as a family we've gone away. Um, <laughs> those of you who follow my stories on Instagram will have known that my passport, I sent off for it six weeks ago. Um, and literally the day what when they send you the letter saying, yep, your passport's arrived and all your stuff, that day the news came out. 10 week long delays for passports yeah. so I was pretty I was a little bit frightened at that point but luckily it arrived they probably saw your passport photos and thought fuck me she looks scary I better send that one off she's <laughs> gonna go to prison in a minute your dad's a cheeky son he said the same he goes oh you look like a murderer in you that do one. look like shit <laughs> it was taken uh, during our week at Suffolk when Will hadn't slept well there you are then there you are then <laughs> <laughs> um Will's very cute, though, his little passport picture. Yeah, no, this is, this is very good. This is very good. I think he even drew a smile out of a couple of the customs guys, I thought, when they yeah, were there. Yeah, I thought so. They yeah. probably thought, why the fuck is this uh, six-month-old baby need a passport? Yeah, they didn't yeah. even look at him, really, did no, they? No, again, it just it begs belief. What a waste of what, Yeah, someone's gaining some money, aren't they, at that? Um, just on the subject of holiday, like, and children, how amazing were the staff where we went? Oh, yeah, no, they were. They were really good, yeah. Yeah, no, very very pleased to see the kids. Yeah, no, it's nice. funny, because yeah. I, before children, I was not a, not child-friendly. I didn't really want one, and I didn't really know how to talk to them, because mm. I never... really don't been like a... other people's kids. <laughs> I'm, not still, I'm still not great with them. No, I like some kids now. I definitely like some kids now, mm. whereas before I didn't like any. Yeah. Um, but for me, as someone who didn't have children, if I'd worked at that hotel, I'd have been like, yep, yep, that's your child. Take it over there and sit it down. Yeah. The staff were fantastic chatting to Alb. Actually, Alb was talking to people. Yeah, he? no, it was nice. I think it was just, I think everything about it, you know, from from just the breaking routine, getting away from animals for a bit so you don't have to be governed by them. And yeah, just, and, and obviously like the, the kids felt that as well, didn't yeah. they? They fell right into holiday routine. You know, Christ, I don't think even we sort of said, shit, I can't believe how much they're eating. Yeah. Oh my god! So starting uh, for those who've um, followed from the very beginning, Wilf is now eight months old. Mm. How can we be saying that? He doesn't like. So he is eight months old, um, and we've started weaning him uh, probably about five and a half months, about a week before he turns six months old. And last week he came into his own with eating food. Mm. Oh my goodness! Mm. He. Uh, he tried everything, didn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the beauty of it is, obviously, like, you know, if he didn't like it and he spat it out, it went onto a floor and, and the, like, those staff just didn't mind cleaning it up sort of as much as he tried to help a little bit. But, yeah, no, he loved it. He loved it. He tried. He did literally try anything you yeah, offered. Yeah, he was amazing. <coughs> yeah. No, Wilf was absolutely amazing. He he ate so much food and tried everything and it was really nice. Um, The next... The next step in the journey, I guess, is while we were there, it was so hot and he won't drink out of a beaker or a cup at the moment. So he was having a lot of poop. But my next mission is like, no, we're going to crack down on that because oh, it'd be nice. be nice to think of a few days away or evenings away. Um, I do a little bit of photography, don't I? And I've got a mm. wedding coming up in six weeks time where I'd like to think I'm not stressing about Wilf the whole day. So that's the next thing because yeah it's 
I can't remember how we weaned out. <laughs> I can't remember what we did. It's yeah. five years between them. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, I, I think we spoke about it recently. I mean, we're, let's face it. They um they tell you, I think sometimes, don't they, what works and what doesn't work. And Al ball. I, I think Al just went on to dairy milk. I don't think we. I don't think he ever liked um, formula. formula ever. No, I don't think we could ever. I don't think we could get him on formula. And to be honest, Wilf seems to be the same sort of way. Um. So. That's enough about holiday chat. Mm. Um, la- before we went away on holiday, um, Hazel um, came and treated my free horses and myself. And Hazel is our chiropractor. So I did a time-lapse story about Bob getting his treatment. And he was... Um, so with horses, when when something's been adjusted, they lick and they chew and they yawn because it's like a release of pressure. Um, so I had some questions... Um, which I thought you could answer as well, because um, the question was, do you use a chiropractor or a physio or both? All right, okay. So we use Hazel, who is a chiropractor. Mm. Uh, She has a clinic in Blandford, and we go into Blandford, and she treats us there, which is how we met her, because we'd initially been... What was his name? We initially went to the same clinic and had um, a chap there who actually went on to go and train to be a doctor. Yeah. Antonio. Yeah, yeah. Was that yeah. his name? Antonio, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So so initially we went to Antonio, and then he left the clinic and Hazel came in his place, which is how we met Hazel. Yeah. Um, now, I broke my back falling off a racehorse when I was 17. Or, or not broke my back. Um, I fractured in between my shoulder blades and... It, I was really, really lucky. It was like six weeks doing nothing, but actually it was really stable and it's fine. But it does give me problems lower down. It seems to affect my hips a lot. So, and before Hazel, uh, and, and, and before Antonio, to be fair, I'd had so many different chiropractors, McTimony people, physios, uh, what's the what, osteopaths. I tried everything, even acupuncture. I think have you had acupuncture? Me? Yeah. No. <laughs> Fucking around with that. Well, I tried everything because after that injury in between my shoulders, I get very wonky very quickly, and my back would would be so incredibly painful. I'd be crying some mornings. Like, get, do you remember? Oh, you. I'm not being funny though. Like, sometimes you look at you, you. You look fucked. Like your back's just knackered, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of thing. And then you try. Oh, but horses aren't dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks like it. No, but uh, the, before meeting Antonio and and then Hazel, there were some mornings I couldn't get out of bed. I was yeah. in so much pain. Um, so I think Hazel is, rev- like, she's revolutionised my back and my fitness. And, I mean, you're quite lucky. You actually, it's only old age. <laughs> That's meant that you're seeing more of Hazel than you were because you never, ever went to a chiropractor or a physio. I've never, I've never needed any back treatment, even though I've had uh, or, or I have scoliosis and lordosis. So for those who don't know, that's where your spine is slightly overarched. That's lordosis. And scoliosis is where it kicks out to one side. Now, that, that's um, hereditary. I, I've no idea which one of my shipped um, um, parents decided to pass that genetic default down to me. Your mum's got a dwarf for an uncle, hasn't yeah, she? Yeah, she has. Yeah, it's probably that. That's probably my <laughs> compressed vertebrae. I don't know. Anyways, um, so so I but, but I've never needed any treatment, despite doing loads of sport. 
but having Alb, I'm you know I'm certain that's what really did it. In, is when kids. you were when you were pregnant with Alfie. No, it's, it's, it's because you hold the little fucker, yeah, and they yeah. make you massively lopsided. And I think the other thing as well, let's face it, you know, um, doing a, a manual job slowly but surely wears you away yeah, because you yeah. are lopsided. I don't, I don't, I don't know of any manual jobs where you can say at the end of the day, yeah, my left side of my body worked as hard as the right side of my body, and day after day after day of doing that. You know, and it, it yeah, takes really its true. toll. It takes its toll and it will make you lopsided, you know. And I think unless you're really good, I mean, like, you know, fast forward to now, I can tell if I don't swim regularly. If I have a bad spell where I've just not exercised, it really hurts. It's clicking. It's sore. I'm not I'm not good enough, um, like with my own routine to stretch enough. I should stretch. I should make time, find time to stretch in the life when you've got animals and kids. Yeah, you know, and I think I'm I'm really and you are you know, very disciplined. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm so impressed by people who are that next level. Like, you know, I had a mate who every morning he'd get up 20 minutes before the kids woke up so he could stretch. Like I know that if I got up 20 minutes before I woke up, he'd he'd before, wake up 10 minutes early. He'd, he'd be waking up 20 minutes early by the end of the week. <laughs> Dad, would. what are you doing? <laughs> Dad, yeah. can I join? In? Can I come? Yeah. Um, that's really true. What you say about uh, working a manual job and ending up being lopsided because mm. again with horse riders and mums you know, you'll have a kid on one hip um and you'll be you know you'll be doing all that sort of wear and tear but equally if you are riding a horse they generally have a dominant side too and they you know they might they may compliment you and you'll go around together slipping away to the right or they'll be the opposite to you and cause pain when you ride mm. and you'll get off to, so uh bob compliments me we're both wonky to the right great happy days apart from the fact it drives me mad because we slip to the right luca actually is ever so slightly wonky to the left and i can i know when he yeah Yeah. well this is it i know when he and i both need to see hazel because i'll come away from a ride going oh he's pulled my back Mm. um and that's yeah so we jar each other but that also makes it really easy to know when to treat him yeah 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 um so she so said when so the question that I had was when do we know um well when do we know when we need to be treated and when your horse needs to be treated so uh, just when you're stiff isn't it yeah when it hurts when it me. hurts I, think, I mean we did do maintenance for a long time yeah, didn't we yeah i think so so the worst it got for me was when i had a really bad back spasm i remember that morning and that she couldn't do anything like and it's times like that you think I never want to get to like this again, especially, like I say, when you've got kids who are dependent on you yeah. and also animals because you've just got to keep going. And this, as, as anyone who's had a bad back knows, it is horrible. Yeah. It is just horrible to have, to just not be able to do stuff. Yeah, you it, know? it is mm. absolutely debilitating. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, um, yeah, it depends how bad it is. For me, I now know that there's just... I just know now that if I don't get it treated, then then it's it's, it's in danger of being really really a, a problem. But for me now, it's once a quarter, if not once every six months, isn't it? Yeah. I very very rarely go now. Um, as if you do a lot of tree planting. It's it's, it's that massive one sided working, massive one sided working. Hence tree planting or or tree felling or or stuff like that, which is all one sided. If just my general day to day work with exercise is absolutely fine you know but having said that the last time i went for treatment with hazel 
was when I think Wilf was four or five months old, and I was like, "This is hurting my." I got real. It got real tight in my hip flexor, and it's still a bit sore even now. But I can kind of stretch it out. But I went in, and and she said, "Shit, what have you been doing?" Like uh, since she's been treating us, she's never seen overdevelopment of one side of my body to the other. No exaggeration. I mean, she. Rec- I think one of the legs was like an inch and a half or two inches longer than the other, and all of the muscles on my right side were overpronounced to my left. And I was like, shit, like, I must look a fucking amazing lady now. You know, like she's giving that description to me because it was like, is it really that bad? And she said, yeah, what on earth happened? And I said, well, I've been doing a bit of tree planting, but I think the big thing was Wilf was was here. Yeah. And yeah. yet you're, you're carry, carrying, him on, you're carrying him on one side. And he's a big chunk. Yeah. And, and no matter how hard, you know, yeah, you pick him up with two hands, but you move him to one side of your body. Yeah. You know, when you stand up, you're always split leg lunged. And, you know, I, I find I always put my right leg behind me. You know, I don't know why I do that. I just yeah, do. It's easy. Muscle yeah, memory. Mus- yeah, but that's the thing, you know, and how many times are you getting up with a kid through the day, you know, and all those different things. And I think that's what it was, um, you know, and and yeah, I think, like I say, you know, I even, you know, changed my membership at the gym thinking, right, I need to get back into doing free weights. Never went, <laughs> you know. The, 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 but you only got it last month and we've been on holiday twice. <laughs> but the three, the three or four occasions I can go to the gym a week or the, or the facility a week, I don't really want to go in and sit next to a fucking gym monkey. You know, I just want to go in the pool and do my own thing and get out of there. Um, no, that's really that is really true. Um, so Josh, even though he's got lordosis and sclerosis, he actually was able to do once, probably once every three months, and then once to six months. Once he once it was under control, and once Hazel had ironed out the big kinks. Yeah. Um, fortunately for me, before having Wilf, I was going pretty much every six weeks. Pretty much, especially in the hunting season when the horses are fit and I'm fit and I'm riding lots, I was going pretty much every six weeks um, because for me, all it would take would be one slip or one tweak and it was just like a chain reaction. It would get more and more painful until you'd be saying, have you not phoned Hazel yet? So it was actually more cost effective for me to go every six weeks and for her to stop anything like create being created instead of me just waiting until something went wrong because when something went wrong it would then be bang 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 free sessions every every three days wouldn't it especially over christmas that was the problem let's face it for you you should have gone more frequently than that but it's expensive yeah it is expensive there's no two ways about it you know like chiropractors physiotherapists that they're all expensive and you know they're expensive for a reason though yeah, yeah, yeah don't misunderstand me you know but at the same time you know it from from our point of view as customers and that's the way we've got to speak about it isn't it you think it's, that's big you know what's it now 50 pound yeah in a 50 quid a session and sometimes if it's just if you've just got a tweak in your shoulder you're walking out of there in 15 minutes thinking fuck me yeah that's but 50. that tweak in your shoulder is completely well it could have like, done but even so it's still 50 quid yeah yeah you know it's still a lot it's, of money it think, is a lot of money i'm sure i could have put a needle there myself <laughs> well that's actually um so i was going every six weeks but then when i got pregnant um you can be treated um but only in certain places, only at certain points. Uh, at, in your first trimester, um, they don't like to treat you mm. unless it is absolutely you cannot move or you cannot do something. They really they want to leave well enough alone. Uh, they are happy to treat you in your second trimester. Um, something to do with, I mean, I won't know this. I will get Hazel to give me the exact reasons and I will tack it on to the end um, of this podcast or I'll do a post about it. 
Um, but in your second trimester, they are happy to treat you. And Hazel did actually see me in my second trimester because I was still riding up until 33 weeks. Um, and I think at about 27 weeks, I did something so... I, I think it was 27, 26 weeks. I was in so much pain. We tried to um, drive up to the airfield um, up at Compton Abbas. And I don't know if you remember, but we were driving up quite a bumpy road and I was pretty much just crying driving up the bumpy oh. road. It was it was so painful. So I did see Hazel then. Um, and in your last trimester, they can treat you, but they do it all above the hips. So if your shoulder's sore, if your neck's sore, that's fine. But she, Hazel didn't want to treat below the hips, as it were. Um but I will get her clarification on that. Um, I didn't actually suffer too much for not going every six weeks in terms of, um, you know, Hazel, you've got to treat me. I'm in so much pain, blah, blah, blah. That only happened once. Mm. Um, and <coughs> since having had Wilf, I've only had one treatment and he's now eight months old. Um, I think that's because I'm not as toned or as muscly as I am when I'm riding lots. Um, the horses really just really come back home and they're not in full work. Um, and maybe um, I've got bad habits <laughs> that builds up muscle in an incorrect way and pulls everything a bit too tight. Mm. Um, which then means, yeah, my skeleton, my skeletal system doesn't work as well. I, that's my guess anyway. Mm. Um, I'm sure Hazel would have a better... This sounds like a big advert for Hazel, but really it's an advert for finding yourself a chiropractor that has the letters behind their name. They've been to university. They've studied it for three, four years. Um, they aren't someone who's just gone on the internet and done a six-week course. Yeah, yeah. And I think the thing is, is that they, you know, they aren't chiropractors work for us. My, my mum cannot get on with a chiropractor she's tried numerous times gives her excruciating headaches does it yeah she cannot do it cannot do it all so she goes actually goes to i think i think she's really fit well she she? loves yoga yeah yoga and pilates she's really fit lady Uh, i think she actually just goes to a physiotherapist every now and then whereas we yeah don't we don't actually go to a physio at all do we no never have done um you know like sports massage wise for me i don't like massages you know, and and I think that Hazel sometimes incorporates the two, and I don't mind that. But again, if you you know, like the the thought of going for an hour sports massage, I reckon I'll end up saying, "Just get the fuck off me!" Really? Oh, I hate it. It's just if you're gonna get your knuckles in there, get on, crack on, and get the job done. You know, no, no, you're welcome to it. You're welcome um, to it. So even though we don't use a physio ourselves, I think for me personally, it's the cost. Hazel brings effective relief pretty much as soon as she's adjusted you Mm. you can stand up and you're like oh that feels so much better whereas um for a sports massage um it's not instantaneous and if you've got to pay for one or the other i know which one i've got to pay for um because there's only so much money in the pot at the end of the day yeah um i mean the thing is again it all all depends on what you're doing like you know if (laughs) i'm trying to put my sports head on here if you're riding out every single day of the week then maybe a sports massage might be the way forward. By riding out, I mean physical exertion. Yeah, like race. Right, whereas, race. whereas if you are hacking, you know, a few times a week, you know, verging on most days, let's say. But let's face it, it's not massive sort of physical exertion, is yeah, it? Yeah, no, no, no. You know, um, then then it is probably sort of your your lack of body awareness that's meaning that you are 
you're not tight enough in your core. Yeah. So you are going to be unstable where a chiropractor might work better. I don't know. Yeah. I don't no, know. It's no, just, it's again, I think you've got to work out what's best for you. You've got to build a relationship up with somebody else. And and what works for one person will not necessarily work for you. You've right. tried a few people and yeah. they've been shit. Yeah, and, and yeah, you know, and I'd like to say, I think my mum's a prime example. You know, she is, you know, fit, fit and strong, goes to a chiropractor, feels sick. She, she just doesn't like the whole neck, you know, area on her being clicked and touched yeah. and all that sort she's of thing. She's quite claustrophobic too, your mum. I bet it'd be her worst nightmare. When yeah, she probably feels as though she's about to be fucking waterboarded or something <laughs> yeah, like she that. Yeah, she's really claustrophobic. Um, however, despite uh, me saying there's only so much money in the pot and um, <laughs> and um, we don't have a physio, we just use Hazel the chiropractor, the horses do have a physio because we ask so much of them, especially during the winter, especially during hunting. Um, my, chiropr- um, my chiropractor is obviously Hazel. Um, she's Pegasus Equine. But my physio that I use for the horses is a lady called Lily Jackson. Um, and she, again, has all the letters behind her name. Um, the problem that I find is uh, if you use anecdotal word of mouth recommendations and don't then go on like it's great to be recommended someone but do the research yourself to make sure that they're not someone who's printed off a piece of paper from the internet that allows them to strap a machine to your horse to laser a few muscles it needs to be someone who has got you know the masters um or the bachelors um behind them and they're you know they're registered with the correct authorities um and lily is the same but lily and hazel are both um you know they've got they've got qualifications behind their name and they are both very very good at what they do um i just find with the hunters because my boys in a full-on season uh there was one particular year we went out and did something like 40 odd hunt meets where they were going uh every single weekend and they were doing the whole of the Christmas holidays where they went three times in one week, um, plus cubbing. So for me, it's the responsible thing to first have Hazel come and sort out this, you know, sort out her end of things. And then behind that to have Lily come and ease off any muscles that are really tight. Because otherwise everything that Hazel's done, I felt, would, would be pointless. Because the muscles are that tight and that big in a horse, it just ping back what you've done. So um, I would always try and space it out by about a week or two weeks, um, depending on their schedules. And make sure that um, I knew that the boys weren't going to have a heavy physical effort um directly you know two days after so and uh i lean towards using hazel more because she does do a little bit of sports massage as well so i would get hazel out four times in a season uh when they first come back into work and the horses are soft and they're not been using themselves properly because they've been lolling around in a field sticking their guts out and having a lovely time so i get hazel to correct them before i start any heavy work with them then once they're fit she sees them again she sees them in the middle of the hunting season and she sees them at the end of the hunting season. Whereas Lily will only see them uh, after Christmas holidays when they've worked really, really hard and at the end of the season when they their bodies are at their most tired. Um, and that's the system that I found works best for me unless there is a horse with a specific problem and I can't get to the bottom of it. So correct training and correct riding um, and my own stretches and things like that aren't helping. Then I would get Hazel out for a specific issue. But that's the sort of system that works for me. Um, 
we do it for the dogs too, don't we? If the dogs are, if there's a specific thing with the dogs, we get hazel out. (laughs) Yeah, you can tell when they're not right and we're very lucky. But would I do that if, again, if I had to pay for it? Not with all the bloody dogs, I wouldn't know. No, well, we gave hazel the dogs. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We're quite lucky that way. We gave her the one that needs constant treatment. Yeah. Yeah, since she's had him, he's like, Jesus, he needed like six treatments in the space oh, of time she's had him. Really bad how much he's... It's not because of anything we've done either. He's just a wonky spaniel. Yeah. And anyone has got a spaniel, they tend to walk like a fucking banana sometimes anyway. Yeah, they crab steer. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, she's... Anyways, yeah. So yeah, and, and in fairness, I, I actually cannot believe what, what she's done with some of the dogs. They've literally gone there and thinking, oh my God, this dog's possibly going to need putting down if he can't work again. And they've walked away from it and... Yeah, they're different animals, aren't they? Yeah, different no, animals. It, it is, yeah. and and um, the only other piece of advice that I have is uh, if your chiropractor or physiotherapist doesn't ask you, can I please talk to your vet and make sure that there's um, nothing further? Sorry, George has just pointed out the window. A hair that's gone past. Why is that there? Don't know. <laughs> Bit lost. I'm gonna go eat your flowers. God. That's fine. I haven't planted any daily yet. Oh, it's gonna eat my peonies. Oh. Oh God! What? Get out and get out and shoot it away. Hey, we're going to get fat on peonies, are we? Um, no. Uh, what was I saying? If your chiropractor or your physiotherapist doesn't ask to either when it's your when you're a person to speak to your doctor before your first initial treatment, um, they they're obliged to make sure there isn't anything long long term running in the background. And equally, they should ask to speak to your vet to make sure your vet is happy that the horse is being treated and there's no underlying reasons why they shouldn't be. Um, and that's the only other bit of advice I have for you. Um, so that's quite a good question actually sent in. I'd mm. nearly forgotten all about it too. <laughs> it's just, it, like I said, it's just what works for you, isn't it? I think you've got to, you've got to be prepared to, to try a couple of things, you know, and I, I don't know anyone who, who works manually who doesn't have some problems and some people just, some people just get, can get on with it, can't they? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, no, exactly. Um, my farrier, um, get seen pretty much every other week. I'm surprised. Imagine being bent over all day like that. Mm. Yeah, with a fucking great thing leaning against you. Yeah. Or with a hangover. Oh, that'd be awful upside down next to sticky horse feet. <laughs> the end of the face you're pulling, my boy. Mm. Right, my love, thank you very much. No problem. <laughs>